Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite Pastor Daniel and BC to come up. Now, now Pastor Daniel, um, I don't even know how to describe what happened the other day, but we were, um, we were taking some trash. Because I have the microphone and it takes you a while to get up here, I get to say what I want. Um, but we are, we were taking, uh, some trash to the convenience dump and we're standing in the back of my truck and I turn around and then I turn back around and he's like almost in the dumpster, like fallen over. And I'm like, what, what happened? And, and I can tell that he's in a ton of pain, but I don't even know what I'm terrible in that situation. I'm like, uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> And you know what the first thing, I said, are you okay? And he said, my phone's in the dumpster. <laughs> first thing that he said. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, helped him up a little bit, but I'm, I didn't even know what had happened at that point. And uh, helped him up a little bit. Not all heroes wear capes. And so I jumped in the dumpster <laughs> and got his phone. And... Um, Finished unloading the truck by myself. <laughs> so, anyway. But um, <laughs> we believe in a big God. Amen? And I don't know what's going on with, uh, is it your left leg? I don't know what's going on, but God does. Amen? And he's already provided healing, right? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to give Pastor Daniel this mic. You guys can share it, okay? So... Dr. Abercrombie said that, uh, so Jason tried to throw you out of the back of his truck. And I said, it sounds like a good story to me. I'll go with it. And so anyway, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to let BC share first. Um, and uh, then I'll wrap it up and uh, give you a report from the Philippines. We are so happy to be home not that we didn't enjoy the Philippines, but, uh, but we missed you. And, and, well, I did miss my wife, too, you know, but, uh, and my Connor, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, here you go, brother. I don't like going first because that means I get less time. Uh, and that's how it was in the Philippines. You know, it started off 10 or 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and I finally got an hour, which technically was only 30 minutes because uh, our interpreter got the rest of the time. Um, and so 
No, just kidding. He told me that joke and I had to bring it here. He's going to get mad at me because I'm going to probably take a lot of what I think he would want to say uh, because we sang the song. Man, this microphone is loud. I'm going to speak way out here. We sang the song, um, you know, The Goodness of God. And while we were there this trip, it was all over the place. Um, you know, this is my third trip in a row. You know, Blaine is a little jealous of me this time because I'm the first other than pastor to go three times in a row. Not three times, but just three times in a row. I'm going to make myself a shirt that says that so everybody else knows it. Um, next year will be my fourth year in a row. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I have to walk around because if I get stationary, I get nervous. And uh, I'll talk real fast and I'll ramble. So, you know, this trip was different especially from my first trip. My first trip, I went up there, and I got, like, really sad when we were there because I looked at the living conditions, and I thought, man, you know, where we come from, it's a far, far cry uh, from the way we live. This trip, I didn't get sad because they don't see it the way we see it. Um, they're so inviting. They're so uh, welcoming, and I'm going to tell you, that this, is the, this is the Philippine mentality. We stayed at a motel in somewhere we were at. I don't remember the name of it. I'll never remember every name of everywhere we go. Uh, but we were at a motel, and we would go down for breakfast. And I was looking at the menu one day, and I just mentioned, I didn't say I wanted it. I didn't say I needed it. But I was like, man, they got onion rings on the menu, fried onion rings. Uh, and it was not, you know, an American-type restaurant. So the next day we go down for breakfast, we had our normal breakfast, which was a fish, um, or actually, I think it was Tosi that day. Tosi, egg, and rice. And then they brought out a plate of um, onion rings. And that, that's how they think of it. Um, they, they love to serve the Lord. And that's what it is. They're serving us and they're serving the Lord. It was the goodness of God on a plate of onion rings because it was such a great reminder. Again, I didn't say I wanted them. Um, and so we, our first trip, we went to the island of Marinduki. Nope, I'm sorry. Mindanao. See, that's where they all sound so close together. Uh, we did a pastor's conference there for two days, and pastor ended that pastor's conf I mean, uh, conference with a healing service. And God was there, and I'll tell you how I know for 100% sure, not only because people got healed that night, but because we were standing there. The church is like a second story, um, and it's wood floor. And so the place was packed out. There was not enough chairs even for everybody to sit. They were standing outside, and um, they were singing a song, and they were all jumping at one time, right? Nah, nah, nah. And the floor was going like this, every jump. And I'm sitting there going, thank you, Lord, that you're here. Thank you, Lord, that you're here, because we're not going to wind up on the bottom floor. The, the floor held up, and people were healed. Uh, so the Lord was there. We went, um, and we were able to provide meals for families, groceries, um, for 25 families, for four churches. I'll let Pastor tell you the number of people that accepted salvations. But my last part of this is, you know, we were talking, Pastor and I, amongst ourselves, and we had the conversation of, you know, what, what my favorite trip has been. And I couldn't tell you first, second, or third trip was my favorite because there's not a favorite. But there's always favorite parts from each trip that I'll remember and I'll never forget. And Pastor made this statement, and it became so true. 
the thing that the devil used, the devil wants to use to hurt people, God turns it around and uses it for good. And that's poverty. There it's poverty. And because of um, the groceries that were given to 25 families that would feed them for approximately a week, um, there was this number that pastor will share, I'm sure, that accepted Jesus um, as their personal Lord and Savior. They had an encounter with the goodness of God that day, and they will never be the same. And that, um, that is the epitome of the Philippines trips. We do get to eat fish eyeballs. That's why if you go with Jason, you won't have as much fun. If you go with Pastor, you'll get to see Pastor eat silly peppers. That's the cure for the coronavirus. So anybody overseas that's watching, if you can get a hold of a ghost pepper, a silly pepper, eat it. Don't drink water. Don't drink mango shakes. Eat it and suffer a little bit, and coronavirus will never touch you. Right? I have videos of him trying to be tough. Um, if you friend me on Facebook, I'll share those videos with you. And you can see Pastor's ears turning red. They tell me that Jason likes um, sealy peppers, but I can't believe it. Those, those are the most delicious peppers. Um, and you cut them up and you put them in rice, and it's amazing. But um, sometime off the record, I'll tell you a story about sealy peppers. <laughs> if he doesn't like um, crispy pata. Or... I, yeah, I do not. You don't like crispy pata? No. Or hollow, hollow that you love. That's disgusting. Hollow. It's gross. Is he even your son? <laughs> what is wrong with hollow, hollow? It just, I'm curious about that. It, so It's nasty. I don't another, another, <laughs> another part that I forgot to tell you is I don't know if many of you know me from before we left or when we came back, but this is suffering for Jesus right here. Because the other thing that they love to do is feed you. And I'm talking barracuda. We got to eat barracuda this trip. Um, and if you never have, make it a go because it's very good. We got to eat little brother of the tuna and the eyes. Uh, what else did we eat? Buku salad. <laughs> something, wrong, something seriously wrong with your son. So, so here's, my, here's my saying that I came away with. Um, you know, Pastor Nelly and I. We invented this together. Um, buco salad is heaven because it tastes like heaven. Uh, probably the best thing I've ever eaten in my mouth. Uh, from texture to taste to flavor, all of that good stuff was amazing. Halo halo is life. No, halo halo is love. Halo halo is love. Pancit is life because pancit is a big thing over there next to rice. It's like noodles and uh, vegetables all mixed together. Um, and so those three things are heaven, life, and love. And they're all from Jesus. And if Jason doesn't like those, then Jason doesn't like Jesus. And you should not hang out with Jason. That's what I take away. But here's Pastor because he's getting the hook ready for me. And that's what's going to be on the menu at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, uh, so. but, you know, it, it has... It was truly an amazing trip, and, uh, you know, God started working before we even, before we even got the trip all booked. Um, you know, I booked, typically, I like to fly out of Roswell, uh, American Airlines, and uh, for some reason, Hobbs was the cheaper ticket on United this time. 
Well, American goes routes through Hong Kong. And United routes through Guam and Honolulu and Manila. So we avoid Hong Kong completely. And you say, well, Pastor, were you afraid of the coronavirus? No, that's not the point. The point is that flights to Hong Kong were being canceled. And so uh, I had no idea. This was before anybody started talking about coronavirus. And uh, I'm just looking for the best airfare. And we got airfare uh, through Guam, Honolulu, Manila. By the way, uh, the longest we spent in Honolulu was an hour, or was two hours and a half. Uh, so no, we didn't go on a Hawaiian vacation. Um, but uh, not that that's a bad idea. But um, but anyway, uh, you know, that's God working things out when we didn't even know something needed to be worked out, and, and took care of that. You know, I've I've been on trips where a flight got canceled. And it's a mess, trying to straighten everything out and get your bags where they're supposed to be at the right time and, and, and uh, all of that. I've done that. Don't really want to do it again. And so, um, but anyway, God took care of that for us without us even knowing that it needed to be taken care of. And uh, so, we got to the Philippines and we have been, for the last two years, we have gone to um, Mindanao Island and uh, done a pastor's conference down there. And I got to tell you that uh, there are pastors down there that are starving for some teaching and some encouragement. And uh, they just soak in everything. BC talking about the, uh, about the floor. It was like a trampoline, even though it was a wood floor. Um, and so, uh, but it was bouncing up and down. But, uh, you know, we got to minister for, for two solid days to uh, primarily pastors, not, not exclusively, but, but primarily pastors that were there. And uh, um, just encourage them with a lot of the things that, that we've been teaching around here, you know. And... Uh, um, they were very open and receptive to that. And then we flew back to, uh, to Manila. And, um, the, you know, you think you went to the Philippines and then you flew somewhere. We, was, we were still flying within the Philippines. And uh, from the northern part to the very southern part. And uh, so we, we fly back to Manila and, and we're... Uh, blessed to go to a couple of churches that we've been to in in the past, and and um, did a a food program. And two years ago, when I went to the Philippines, I'm I'm praying concerning the trip, and and I just hear the Lord speaking on the inside of me, ask me for 500 souls. And uh, you know, at that time, I. I, I knew what we were supposed to be doing that, uh, and I knew some of the plans of things that we had planned on doing had fallen apart and weren't going to happen. And, and so I didn't know even how we were going to see 500 non-believers uh, on that trip. 
And how many know you got to see 500 before you can <laughs> before you can have 500 salvations? And so, um, but I just kept hearing that. I kept trying to reduce that number, and the Lord wouldn't let me. And so uh, I, I said, okay, we're going to ask for 500. And I told BC and and my son-in-law Josh was with us on that trip. I told him, I said, we're asking God for 500 souls on this trip. And so we um, we did that, and we went to um, Mahai Hai uh, to the Asia Center for Biblical Studies. And some of the stuff that we had done in the past there was not going to work out this that trip. And uh, they said, okay, on this day, we're going to go to a school. And they've allowed us to come in and, and share the gospel in this school. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it was elementary up through middle school. Um, but we went there and we had about 480 of those 500 salvations right there in that school that day. And uh, the entire student body was there. And uh, so this year, I'm praying and asking God, I'll say, you know, Lord, what do I need to ask you for on this trip? And uh, I knew we were going to do the, the food distribution ministry at four different locations. And uh, so I began to, uh, began to pray about that, and, and I hear the Lord saying, Ask me for 100% of those that you distribute the food to uh, for salvation for them. And so um, I, I did, and we, we prayed, and, you know, Lord, uh, give us 100%. Let every single one of those that we distribute food to come to Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So we reached out to them and it, it was a, a tremendous time and and uh, uh, as near as I can figure uh, as near as I could tell you know sometimes it, it, it's hard to tell but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it this way I'm going to say as near as I can tell 100% of those that we distributed food to uh, accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and uh and then to top that off, uh, we had a, a couple of other um, opportunities where people came to Jesus as their Savior, one, one of which was at um, the um, Quezonian Educational College. First time I've ever been a speaker on a college campus, but I uh, um, was excited about that, and uh, about 65 college students there at their their campus ministry and uh, they told us that there would be a a mixture of believers and unbelievers and uh, so you know I don't know who who the believers were and who the unbelievers some of the believers were pretty obvious but uh, you know I don't know who were the unbelievers but um, and, and I honestly don't know the exact number that accepted Jesus that day um, but that wrapped up our trip there at the at the university campus, and and um, so all in all, um, the Lord blessed us to be able to see uh, 213 
come to Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, as well as the time that we had to spend encouraging pastors, um, and, uh, you know, there are some, some opportunities that uh, the Lord has put in front of us that I really am not at liberty to talk about at this time, but uh, uh, I, I do want you to, um, to be praying about our outreach into the Philippines. And uh, just let the Lord lead you in how to pray about that because, uh, like I said, some things that I, I can't really um, go into uh, at this time. But I do know that God wants us to have an influence there. And uh, so, so be praying with us about that and be praying with, with us for, for wisdom uh, to know how to proceed. And then secondly... For um, f for the resources to be able to do what God's put in our hearts, and uh, um, and also be praying for our our great friends that I have been working with. Uh, well, from the very first, I met them the first time I went to the Philippines in 1996, and that's uh, Pastors Ray and Nellie German. And, uh, you know, they are amazing people, and uh, they've been here once, and a lot of you met them when they were here, and, uh, you know, they're just pretty incredible. And uh, so anyway, uh, Pastor Ray was struggling for the last few days that we were there with, with gout and uh, extremely painful in his... Uh, um, in his foot and and in his hand, and uh, so uh, you know we we've, we've spoken healing over him. I've I've told him to do what I've told many of you to do, and that is to receive the communion table daily, and uh, and uh, you know we spent a little bit of time talking about that, and and uh, uh, but be be in prayer. For, for Pastor Ray, and uh, so anyway, we are so happy to be uh, back home and share. I, I told you we were going to bring a great report home, and and we have, and and uh, uh, so anyway, I am going to uh, step down and let Pastor Jason come and bring the word today. I'll be preaching next week, and let me just say this, we're going to be... Uh, if you have those in need of healing in their bodies, get them here next Sunday. We're going to be talking about healing. So, Amen. Praise God. Isn't he good? Hallelujah. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to dismiss our, um, our Word of Life kids and our bridge. So that's going to be all our elementary students in our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade as well. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and worshiping with us today. We are going to finish up our series today called Change the Atmosphere. Have you got anything out of it? Has it been good? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm going to start with prayer and then I'm just going to jump right in um, and we're going to get through this today. I believe that God has good things. 
Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that as we open up your word today, we know that you have given us the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us in our lives. So I pray today that the words that I speak not be my words, but God, be your words so that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. We give you thanks for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We have as our title scripture, and we started out with this in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. It says, I I beseech you, that word beseech, it just means I strongly urge you, therefore, my brethren, because God has been so merciful, or by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I've had you say this before, I want you to say it again, acceptable. I want you to say it again. Now, just because pastor's back doesn't mean you can be quieter or doesn't mean that I'm going to stop asking you to be louder, all right? So, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Say acceptable. I want you to say it this way. Say, I am accepted because of the mercy of God. Let's say it again without me messing it up. I am accepted because of the mercy of God. It's good to know that your body is accepted, that your flesh can be accepted. And we have this idea sometimes, if you haven't been around church for very long, then maybe you don't have this stigma, and I'm really glad that you don't, but for some of us that have been around church for a really long time, we tend to throw things off onto the flesh, and we say, well, that's my flesh, and that's not my spirit, and we get that from the scripture and the teaching that we are... uh, uh, We are a a person, but we have three parts, a spirit, a soul, and a body, just like God is three parts, or the Trinity, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the Spirit, we're talking about something that has been recreated in the image of God. It's the most inward part of the man, and our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, and then our body or our flesh is what we deal with every day. It's what we see. It's what you come in contact with somebody else. You're coming in contact with their flesh, and that's a biblical teaching that a lot of times we look at it and we say, well, my spirit is this, but I'm just living according to my flesh. And we use our flesh as a crutch as to why we aren't seeing the things that we want to see in our life. But I'm here to tell you today that Paul says in his writings in the book of Romans that you can present your body or your flesh a living sacrifice to God, and that is acceptable and holy to God. That we don't need to use our flesh as a crutch. And then he says, this is reasonable. This is our reasonable service. Now that word reasonable, when we look at it in the original text of the Bible, the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek and a little bit of Aramaic as far as the original languages go. And in the Greek text, contained in the word reasonable is the word logos, Now, the word logos we also see, and I promise you this whole thing isn't going to be this deep. I'm just trying to get you caught up. But contained in that word is the word logos, which means the word. We see that same word in the book of John, chapter 1, when it says, In the beginning was the logos, or the word, and the word was with God, and the logos, or the word, was God. 
And then in verse 14 it says, And the Logos, or the Word, became flesh and it dwelt among us. And when it's talking about that, it's talking about Jesus was the Word that was made flesh unto us. He was the personification of the Word of God in flesh form here on this earth. So we see here literally the meaning of what he's saying is because of Jesus, it's reasonable for us, or because of Jesus, we are holy and acceptable, or because of Jesus, God poured out his mercy on us, and we can present ourselves as acceptable to God. Verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to the world or don't do things the way this age says that you should do them. Don't do things the way that the pattern of this world or this era says that we should do things. But it says be transformed or go through a metamorphosis process. Everything that you need to be transformed into the image of God is on the inside of you when you said, Jesus, come into my life. It's already in you. Be transformed by changing the way you think. Have a renovation of your mind. You do that, you can prove what is the good and what is, this is the second time, say acceptable. Say it again, acceptable. The second time, he says, you can prove what is the acceptable. The first time, you understand that you are acceptable to God. It doesn't matter what anyone else in this room or outside of these walls thinks. You understand that you're accepted by God. The second time, everybody can see it. You begin to change the way you think. You begin to be transformed. You begin to change your atmosphere. Then you can prove that you're acceptable. Amen? And I'm going to show you that in John chapter uh, 11 here in a little bit. You may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I believe this, that a lot of times we look around and we think that God should change our situation. God should change our environment. If I could just do this, things would get better. If I was just removed out of this place. And we tend to blame our problems that we have in our life on our environment, on our situation, on the space that we occupy. God, if you would just change my wife, my life would be a lot better. Right? God, if you would just make her listen to me. God, if you would just, you know what? God, if you would just move my boss somewhere else and bring me somebody new, then everything would be better. Right? You're not allowed to say that because you work for me. There's always a joker in the crowd, right? So we look at this and we think, man, my environment needs to change. My situation needs to change. If I could just have this, if I could just have that, man, I just need to find the perfect man in my life. And if I can find the perfect man, then all of my problems will be taken care of. But until you begin to change your mind, until you begin to renew your mind to the things of God, until you begin to adjust those things, Changing your boss is not going to matter. 
Changing your relationship is not going to matter because it's going to be the same cycle over and over again. You're looking for a sugar daddy, but you need to understand that God is the one that provides for your needs, not the one that bought you a drink last night and you thought looked really good. See, God is more interested in the lasting effect. The children of Israel were called to the promised land. They walked around in the wilderness for 40 years eating manna, and God provided for their needs every single day. But the best that God had for them was not the manna. It was the promised land. But they couldn't go into a promised land until they had a change of mindset. It took a change of regime. It took a new era to come in to say, we're going to cross over from this place into the new place. We're going to go through the Jordan River. We're going to allow God to descend on us. Not us lay out, God, you need to do one, two, three, and my life will be better. We need to start changing our atmosphere. God will always sustain you, but your blessing's not in the manna. It's in the promised land. So then we talked last week in Luke chapter 5. And we see this picture of Jesus walking up to these fishermen who have fished all night. And they were cleaning their nets. And Jesus walks up to them and he says, hey, can I borrow your boat for a little bit? And I see this as a really interesting picture. Because I don't know about you, but after I've worked a really long day, I don't want to answer the phone again. My day is over. I don't want to return that text message. I'm certainly not looking at my email. But Jesus walks up to Peter, who's cleaning his nets, and he said, Hey, can I borrow your boat? And it's really interesting because Peter doesn't look at him and say, uh, you know what, I'm kind of I'm wrapping up for the day. I've had a really long day. No offense, man, but come and see me tomorrow and we'll do whatever you need. But for tonight, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to grab a little Caesar's pizza on the way home. I'm going to throw my feet up and I'm going to rest. But instead, he says, no, 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 whatever you need, I'm going to do it. So he goes out and he says, let's take the boat out a little bit. And Jesus teaches the people. And when they were finished, Jesus was finished teaching the people. He says, why don't you throw your, your, your boat out a little further into the deeper things, and I'm going to show you something. Launch out into the deep. Lay your nets down. This is what the scripture says And Simon Peter answered, and he said unto him, Master, look, we've toiled all night. We've worked really hard, and we've taken in nothing. But nevertheless, at your word. So if we're going to change our atmosphere, the first thing that we can learn from this story, number one, and we have this as a graphic, number one, changing the atmosphere requires you to obey in spite of what you think will or won't work. Changing the atmosphere. See, we have this idea of what's going to work for us. We have this idea of this is how we need to do things. And how many know that even when you're in the midst of a, of a really hard situation, you still have a plan? If I would just do this, I'm in a financial situation. Well, you know what I need to do? 
If I, need, I can get out of this financial situation, but what I need to do is I just need to make sure that I'm not eating out so much. And if I can just cut back on that, then I'm going to be all right. All I need to do, but how many times are we saying the same thing for years and years and years and nothing ever changes? Well, I know what I need to do. I just don't do it. Well, how about getting the mind of God on it and obeying and stop? I, I don't have any money to tithe, but I just need to stop going to McDonald's. That's my problem. I stop every single day at Brewer on the way to work, and I get a burrito and a monster. If I'll stop doing that, then all my problems will go away. But what we don't understand is that God is giving us a way that activates the supernatural in our life. And if we really want to change the atmosphere, we'll obey in spite of what we think will or won't work. But we trust him. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down my net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their nets began to break. Number two. He says, they beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. This part of this story revolutionized my life. As some of you know, and this is the Reader's Digest version of this story, but last year was a tough year for me, for us, for our family. For the first time in our lives, we had some serious health issues. Tiffany had some serious health issues that we were going through. And, and um, in June, she was diagnosed with, with cancer, uh, advanced stages. And God miraculously healed her from all of that to where there's not even any trace of it. And then in September... Some pain surfaced, and, and we had a couple of trips to the ER, and on the second one, they sent her to Lubbock and in an ambulance, and I'm driving and thinking and, and trying to stay where I need to stay and praying, and, and we're battling this, and, uh, and we don't know what's going on, and then she gets out of the hospital, and she's feeling a little bit better, but we still have no diagnosis, and, and all these things, right, in the middle of this, Church is going well. Business is going well. And man, God, God healed from cancer. And so we see in January that God's healing power is there even in this stuff that was going on that, that they go through. One of the best things I've ever heard a doctor say is, your colon is boring. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. Because we thought there were some serious issues. And I believe that there were. But I believe that we have a God that is more than enough. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So these things, and we're seeing God work, and, and miracles are happening, and, and provision is there. And, and in the middle of all that, what I wasn't telling anyone is that I was a mess up here. And I was struggling like I've never struggled before. And for over a year, my battle 
many times every two or three days or sometimes every day was to not just get in my truck and drive away. No notice, no phone call. Just say forget it. And I knew that that wasn't me and I knew that that wasn't what God wanted for me and I knew and I battled and I fought and I fought but I tried to fight that battle alone. In the midst of everything good that was happening, the enemy was attacking me and I, guys, I was trying as hard as I could. And I'd have times that were really good and times that weren't. The last week of 2019, Tiffany and I were driving around, and I just, I broke down, and I said, look, this is where I'm at. As good as I could share it, and it was a blubbering mess. But I said, I've got to have some help. And then God opened up a path, and we're on the right road now. And I had some things that were messed up, some things that were out of whack. And God provided people in my life and doctors in my life to be able to show those things, to say, this is where you need to be and this is. But I find it very interesting because you think it's so stupid, or at least me, and maybe you can relate to this. I thought it was so stupid that God had done so many great things, yet I was a wreck and I couldn't get over it. But I see right here, and I say that this changed my life because I see with these disciples, in that moment, that they let down their nets. Man, they had prayed for this. They had fished all night and caught nothing. This was their livelihood. And the power of God brought a miracle to them. And in the middle of the miracle, at that moment, they're trying to pull up these nets And they're thinking, man, that's a lot of fish, and these nets are starting to break, and we're going to sink, and I'm going to lose everything. They begin to get scared. But then they called out to people to help them, and they came over, and they began to help, and everything was all right. If you want your atmosphere to change, number two, you have to present yourself as vulnerable in order to reach, that's supposed to say in, it's not text form. Um, do you get, that was a good joke. And I, there wasn't even a peep there. Maybe you guys were just so in to the moment, I don't believe it. But change requires you to present yourself as vulnerable in order to, that's what it should say, reach Potential. Present yourself as vulnerable. Man, it looks like everything is going great, but these disciples, they, or they weren't disciples yet, these fishermen, they had to present themselves as vulnerable in order to reach potential. Vulnerability is scary, you guys. Present yourself as vulnerable. It says, and when they came, it filled both ships. You know what I love about this? That these guys came over to help, and they were blessed too. They came over to help, and they were blessed. He goes on, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave those nets, and I want you to follow me. And it says, they forsook all, and they followed him. The third step to changing your atmosphere is you can never look back. Changing your atmosphere requires you to never look back. So let's get into today. 
John chapter 11, verse 17. We're going to be in John 11 the whole time. If you have the Bible app on your phone, open it up. If you have a Bible with you, turn it to John chapter 11. This is a story of Jesus in his, one of his most vulnerable moments. His dear friend Lazarus had died. Now, I don't know how Jesus became so close with Lazarus' family, but this is somebody whom Jesus loved. They were dear friends of his, and Lazarus had passed away. He had gotten sick, and he had passed away. And so Jesus had to go to Lazarus' house to be with the family. It meant so much to him that the scripture tells us in this passage that Jesus wept. It was one of his most vulnerable moments that we see in scripture. But in John 11, starting in verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he, meaning Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Say four days. Say it again. Four days. Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. The first thing I want to point out, and we're going to go fast and furious through this, the first thing here is that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, I'm going to tell you the end of the story. Lazarus was resurrected. That's the end of the story. But I want to show you right here that when Jesus got there, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That tells me that those things in your life that you've already written off, that are dead, that are in the tomb, that are already starting to stink, Jesus can resurrect, but he can resurrect old things, things that you've already given up on. Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That didn't deter Jesus at all. He was there for one purpose, and that was for resurrection. He's here today for one purpose, and that's resurrection. It says, Bethany was near Jerusalem. It was about two miles away. And many of the Jews joined the woman around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. This is an interesting point. Because many people gathered around them to comfort them. Now that's amazing to have the kind of friends that will go and comfort you. Amen? Can anybody say that that's a good thing to have people that care enough about you to comfort you, right? But many people can try to come and comfort, but only the healer can resurrect. Not one of them that were comforting said the things that Jesus says in this passage. Now, it's not that they were doing anything wrong. They were there and they were comforting, but only the healer can resurrect. A lot of people try to come and try to comfort. A lot of people try to come and try to console you, and we appreciate that. But that's not changing your atmosphere. Only the healer can resurrect. Now, Martha... This is Lazarus' sister. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. In other words, Martha was like, hold on, hold on. I know that all y'all are comforting me, and I appreciate it so very much. You mean a lot in my life, but 
There's somebody that's coming that is resurrection. And I know that if we have any hope of moving past this stage in life, it's not the comfort, it's the resurrection that I need. And so she got up and she went and she met Jesus. She said, I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to go and meet him. She got up and she met him. But Mary was still sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I think that so many of us are like Martha. I get this picture because so many of us, when we're going through a situation in our life, when we're going through a struggle, we're going through a hard time, yeah, we, we love God and we want to follow him, and, but we still have that little bit right there, and the enemy wants nothing more than for you to blame God for your situation. And so Mary, get, I'm sorry, Martha gets up, she goes and meets Jesus, but the first thing that she said to him is, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. How many times do we look at our situation and you say, God, if you would have worked, I wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, I'm coming to you for help, but you could have prevented it. How many times do we think that? Let's just be honest today. We don't have to be all, all churchy today. We don't have to be fake today. We can say that there are times in our life that we think, man, God, if you would have just been there, I wouldn't be asking you for help now because it would have been taken care of. If you would have been here. But then she says, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he's going to give you. Again, she's saying whatever you ask I know that that's on you. If you wanted to do it, then you could do it. And if you want to do it now, then, then you could do it. But that's on you, God. That's on you. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So important right there. Jesus looked at her and he said, your brother will rise again. Now, I think that there are a lot of us in here that we've got places in our life that are dead. We've got places in our life, whether it be a calling, whether it be, whether it be a, a career, maybe it's your relationship, maybe it's your relationship with your kids or your marriage today that you feel like is dead. You feel like this is on life support. We're in trouble here. We've got places in our life that we've just given up on, that we've written off. Because the atmosphere is so, have you ever heard this? You're, the atmosphere is just toxic. I need to not be here because it's just, it's toxic here. And we've given up and we've removed ourselves from these things that God has called us to do. Well, I believe right here, Jesus said, your brother will rise again. I'm here to tell you today that those situations in your life will rise again. It doesn't matter how long they've been dead. It doesn't matter how long they've been in the grave. It doesn't matter if they're starting to stink. Those things will rise again. That's the message here. But Martha said to him, no, no, no. I know that they'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
I know that they'll rise again. You know what? I've been struggling with this thing in my life for as long as I can remember, and I can't ever get over it, and I just continue to run up against a brick wall over and over and over again. I keep getting in that same cycle, a bad relationship to bad relationship to bad relationship, and every single one that I think is going to be good, it ends up falling apart just like every other relationship. I don't know if it's me or what, but I'm throwing up my hands. It's a dead place in my life. I keep going to these jobs, and over and over and over again, it's the same thing that I run into. I keep trying and trying and trying to dig myself out of this hole, but it never gets any better. And I need something to come in. I know it's all going to get better in the sweet by and by. I know it's going to get better whenever I hear that trumpet sound and God calls me home. I know. I know it's going to get better. And so I can't wait for that day when I'm caught up in the air with Jesus and all of the sorrows of this earth are gone. We have this attitude. This was Martha's attitude. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Oh, I, I know. I know he's going to rise again. He's going to rise again in the resurrection at the end. He's going to rise again. That's the promise. And Jesus said, no, no, wait a minute. No, I'm not talking about that resurrection. I'm not talking about at the end when the trumpet sounds. I'm not talking about that everything will be better when we finally get to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about today is that standing right here before you in your midst is resurrection. I am resurrection. Today, Jesus is saying, I am resurrection. I am the one the who was and who is and who is to come. I am the one who defeated death, hell, and the grave. I am the one whose finished work on the cross provided everything that you need to live successful in this life and in the life to come. I am resurrection, and I live on the inside of you, and I'm saying to you that those dead places are risen today in the name of Jesus I am the resurrection I am the life I love this he who believes in me though he may die he will live you're like no 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 I have some dead places in my life it's okay because if you believe in me though though you may die you're gonna live though you may die you're gonna live you thought those things were dead they were in the grave, they were buried, they were gone, but resurrection is here. Resurrection is on the inside of you, and it's changing the atmosphere. So Martha said, yes, I believe. Let's jump down to verse 33. We finished in 24 or something like that. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews, they came out, they came with her weeping, and he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and he, meaning Jesus, he said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? I'm asking you today, those things that you thought were dead in your life, your marriage that you've given up on, your job that you thought was a dead end, I'm never going to get out of this cycle, those financial situations, where did you lay them? Where'd you lay them? Jesus says, where did you lay them? And he said to him, 
Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But then some of them said, I love this right here. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? I love how people are always going to talk, right? I mean, even right here, haters are going to hate. It's never going to stop. They hate it here. They're going to hate you. It's all right. Haters are going to hate. Potatoes are going to potate. It's just what happens, right? I, you guys. I have a Netflix special coming out soon. Um, we're going to tell jokes. It's going to be so good, you guys. He said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? There's always going to be haters. But Jesus, he didn't even respond to him. I said last week or two weeks ago or one of the times, I said, There's a, the Bible says a lot in what it doesn't say. What it doesn't say is that when those people said that, Jesus perceived that they were hating on him and throwing shade on what he was trying to do, so he went over and he confronted them. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say Jesus saw that they were posting things, and so he posted passive-aggressive things towards them as well on his Instagram. It didn't say Jesus tweeted at haters. People trying to throw shade on me, but I know that I'm the resurrection and I'm going to show them. Hashtag prove it. I don't know. Jesus, he said to himself again, groaning, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay by it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. I want you to say that. Take away the stone. I want you to say it again, take away the stone. And one more time for good measure, take away the stone. Anytime we see the word stone in the Bible, it's referring to symbolically the law. Now what the law tells us consistently is that we're not good enough. The law tells us that we don't measure up. The law tells us that we'll never be a success because we haven't fulfilled X, Y, Z. The law tells us that because of our sins, we should be put to death. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. The law shows us that we need Jesus. When we see right here, Jesus said, where did you lay him? And they go and they take it. See, they had buried the things that they thought were dead. Just like you and I, we bury the things that we thought were dead. I'm not even going to think about it anymore. I had this dream in my heart, and God had placed this dream inside of me. That I was going to be a light for him, and I was going to minister for him, and I was going to touch many people for him. But it hadn't happened yet. And I did so many things to sabotage that and to mess it up. And I'll never accomplish that in my life. And so I've buried it down deep where I never have to think about it again. And I know that it was because I didn't do these things. Because I didn't follow the plan of God. Because I got into that relationship that I know I shouldn't have. Because my temper went off and I got fired from that job that I was supposed to have. 
Because I haven't spent my money wisely. Because I haven't been involved in church the way I know that I should have been involved in church. So I'll never do that thing that God called for me to do. But that's okay. I'm just going to bury it here. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to put all those reasons over in front of it. Never to be thought of again. But Jesus went up and he said, where did you lay it? That thing that you thought was dead, where'd you put it? Well, we put it over here. So let's go look at it. Oh, there's a stone in the way. There's a bunch of excuses and reasons as to why you think you don't measure up to that anymore. Move it out of the way. Move it out of the way. And then Martha comes up. She's like, dude, hold on a second. I'm starting to get freaked out here because you're about to uncover something that I was on the road to forgetting about. I was comfortable in my atmosphere. I was good where I was at. And I don't want to start uncovering those things again. She says, he's been in the tomb four days, man. He's starting to stink. I don't think we want to uncover that. That smell is going to be nasty. I don't want to uncover that. We look at those things, and when God starts to do a work in our life, and we start to stir things up, then we start throwing up barriers and throwing up walls that I don't want to go there. No, I don't want to have that pain because I'm not going to measure up. I failed over and over and over again, and I'm not willing to do it again. But he said, no, 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 I want you to remove that stone. I want you to throw away all the excuses. Jesus said to her, whoa, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And you said you believed. I already told you. And you said you would believe. So they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because the people who are standing by, I said this so that they can believe that you sent me. See, I already know. Romans 12.1, I urge you, my brothers, by the mercy of God, because God has been so good to us that you present your body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable because of Jesus and his finished work in your life. And do not be conformed to the same way that this era does things over and over again, but I want you to be transformed by the resurrection power that's on the inside of you so that you can prove it. Jesus is getting ready to prove it. He already did everything else. He's getting ready to prove it. He said, I I already know that you heard me. Because you always hear me. But I'm saying it for them so that we can prove it. And he cried out in a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. See, Lazarus was already resurrected in the mind of Jesus. Way back when he said, your brother will rise again. And so he walked it all the way out and he stood there at the tomb and he said, now it's time to prove it, what I've already seen, what I've already know that my God has done because he's faithful, because he's true, because he never fails. But right now, we're going to prove it. Lazarus, come forth. And the one who had died came out. The one who had died, he came out, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, 
His face was wrapped in a cloth, but he was alive. Guys, sometimes we get discouraged whenever that thing that needs resurrected in our life comes alive and it doesn't look like it used to look. It doesn't look like the same way that we thought it was going to look. It comes out and it's still wrapped in grave clothes. Sometimes it's hard to shake off death. Sometimes when you resurrect, you still have a little death on you. But look at what Jesus said then. Jesus said to them, loose him. Let him go. I don't want you to worry about it too much. Because death's going to fall off. But the, the, the thing about it is today, he's alive. Today, he's alive. Those dead places in your life, those places that you've written off, let's have the team come up. Those places that you've written off, those places that you thought were done for, never to be seen again. And you've got reason after reason why you don't measure up and you can never accomplish that. But resurrection is in the house. And those areas he's calling forth to come out of the grave. And I don't want you to get discouraged. We're going to pray in a minute and we're going to bring some stuff out of the grave. I feel a very strong anointing this morning for callings, purpose, things that God has planted in your heart that you've even now started to dismiss and say, no, that wasn't really God because it hadn't happened. If it was God, it happened. There's been a lot of condemnation. I've put myself in these positions. And because of that, I don't even think that's a thing anymore. So you never question whether or not God loves you. And you've never questioned whether or not you're saved and you're going to heaven. But you feel like there's some things that God has called you to that just that ship has sailed. So I'm just going to be in the here and now and I'm going to do as good as I can. But God hasn't called you to just do as good as you can. He's called you to supernatural. I'm here to tell you today that the stone has been rolled away. And resurrection is in you. And we've got to change the way we think and renew our mind to one of resurrection. We've got to renew our mind to one of grace. See, the grace of God, this is a church, Word of Life Church is a place that you will hear message on the grace of God. Everything that we do is centered around this message that we didn't deserve any of this, but God poured it out on us because he punished Jesus instead of us. And in the finished work of Jesus, when he said it is finished, he put to death all of those things. And when he rose again, he rose again without them. And we teach the grace of God in regards to our salvation. 
But I don't want you to just think of the grace of God as I didn't deserve salvation, but today I stand in salvation. But I want you to think about it like this. You didn't deserve the favor of God, but today you stand in the favor of God. You didn't deserve the provision of God, but today you stand in the provision of God. You didn't deserve the grace of God. You didn't deserve the, the, the peace of God. You didn't deserve the provision of God. But today, you stand in the fullness of God. And today, your mouth, as part of your flesh, is holy and acceptable. Today, your hands are holy and acceptable. Today, your feet are holy and acceptable. There's somebody here today that God called you a long time ago to a ministry of healing that you would lay hands on the sick and you would see miracles. And somewhere along the line, you felt like your hands are no longer worthy. Right now where you're at, I, I could pray over you, but it would be a waste of time. So I don't want you to get stuck in a box. Now we are going to pray in a minute. But for this, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your hands. You don't have to make a production out of it, but I want you to look at your hands. The ones that God has called to use to lay hands on the sick and to bring about healing. I want you to look at your hands and I want you to say, these hands are holy and acceptable. Now today, you might not even believe that. That's okay. You're going to start declaring it out of your mouth and God is going to begin to reveal to you that these hands are holy and acceptable to Him. That is not because of you. It's because of Jesus. These hands are holy and acceptable. Hallelujah. Today I want to open this up. Quickly today. I want to open this up. I'm going to call on you to take a step of faith and get out of your chair and come up if you feel like You've lost some stuff because of things that you've written off, things that are dead in your life, and you need a resurrection. I want you to get out of your chair. I want you to come up here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. So don't take a lot of time, but I know there's some in here. Resurrection power is here. I'm going to stand right here. Y'all come up. Come on. Praise God in the name of Jesus. Resurrection power right now in Jesus' name. Loose him. Let him go. Come forth out of the grave in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come out out of the grave now in the name of Jesus. Loose and let him go in Jesus' name. Resurrection power because you are holy and you are acceptable. I believe there's more in this place. I'm not one to belabor the point, you guys. You know that. Maybe you don't, but I believe there's more in this place. I'm going to give another second. I don't want to let it go.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Loose and let him go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come out of the grave. Come out of the grave now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I speak life to those dead places. If you're here today, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. See, I believe that the most valuable message in the history of mankind is that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He loved us so much that he gave his life and he died for you and I so that we could live. The only thing that we have to do is believe that he is the son of God, that he died for us and rose again. And we confess with our mouth that he is our Lord. Or we say, Jesus, I believe that your way is better than mine. And I invite you or give you permission to come in and change me. So if that's you today and you've never said that prayer, I want to lead you in it today. If you're watching online, I want to lead you in this prayer today. You guys say this after me, and I'm going to invite everybody in here and watching online to say this with us as a show of support to those who haven't. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me and I give my life to you in Jesus name Amen Thank you once again for joining us today online, we value you and we want to hear from you if you made a decision for Christ today you can select I Choose Jesus on our website and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God we've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus and I want to encourage you to do that once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 